0: What's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam.
1: Welcome to a new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. This is Jeremy. And
0: my name is Pam. And today we are doing an album breakdown of something you may not expect. We're going a little out of order, but there's a reason for it. Today, we are going to be doing a breakdown of two EPs that Kelly has put out. Uh, They are called the Smokestack Sessions, Volume 1 and Volume 2.
1: Yes, these were um, EPs or extended plays. Uh, If you don't know what those are, those are albums that are not necessarily full-fledged albums. They may just be a handful of songs. This is back in the day before artists would just release a bunch of songs on streaming or something. Now, you know, I think the the EP or at least the idea of the EP is kind of dead, really, because we don't get a lot of physical media anymore. And so Kelly had this idea to put out these sessions of uh, songs that she had recorded down in Nashville. Uh, The first one, Smokestack Sessions, Volume One, came out as kind of an accompanying piece uh, with Stronger when that came out in 2011. And then the second volume came out uh, over a year later. It was kind of unexpected, but since they are both sort of under the same umbrella of being the smokestack sessions, we decided that instead of reviewing and tearing them apart separately, especially because they're so short, we would just combine the two uh, records and we would present them as one whole uh, album, so to speak. And so, like Pam said, we're going to be talking about both Volume 1 and Volume 2 today. Despite the fact there was a massive album in between the two of them, uh, we figured we would give these a a, a look-see. And then after this, uh, down the road, we're going to hit up on Stronger for an album breakdown.
0: Yes. So, yeah, as Jeremy said, Smokestack Volume 1 was available on Kelly's website back in 2011 when uh, the Stronger album was announced. It was available... Um, these two albums the ep and the stronger album were available as pre order together so if you Mm -hmm. pre-ordered stronger you can get one of the maybe bigger packages i don't even think it was that much more my memory isn't great but and it came with volume one and then volume two was a similar thing in 2012 but was it was with kelly's greatest hits volume one album so just to kind of give you some context um these are very apparently they're very rare now because they're obviously not in print anymore. So Um, if you have a copy, savor it or sell it. I don't know. You can make a lot from it, but, uh, yeah, these are very rare.
1: They go for a lot of money on eBay for some reason. Just, I think it's just because like you said, the scarcity of them, the fact that they are out of print, I don't think that RCA has any plans to, to revive them at all. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that I have the two physical copies. Not to say that I wouldn't have had them anyway, because I mean, this was pretty much, I'm mean, not to say that I've ever not been at the peak of my Kelly collecting, so to speak, but uh, you know I was definitely not going to pass up the ability to have a physical copy of these albums. And the first Smokestack session came with an additional sort of fan service uh, as they were leading up to the release of the Stronger album. Uh, Kelly and her team put out sort of the this. Uh, I don't even want to call it a contest. It was more just campaign. a campaign, campaign. Yeah, it was yeah, there you go. It was a campaign to kind of promote the fact that the stronger record was coming out and so she invited people to go to her website and share a short story about a person in your life who um has made your life stronger i mean pam you might be able to fill in some of the little do know on this i don't
0: know if it was a, it may maybe it was story but like i have a memory where it was just like you can put it you can it was i think it was you can dedicate the out the 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 ep to someone in your life who's made it stronger and put a name yeah. now here's the thing here's the thing and i'm going to call out jeremy but i'm going to call out 90 percent of the people in this as well <laughs> i recognize so many names in this because i didn't I didn't, like, talk to anyone about this, really. People put their own names, and I didn't think to do that because I was just like, that seems weird. So my friend Chelsea and I – hey, Chelsea, if you're listening – we did this stupid little, like, inside joke that we had. Again, this was 2011, so it was, like, the stupid joke we had, and it was, like, the stupid, like, acronym. So is my name in here? No, I don't know if Chelsea's is. But what is in here is a stupid little acronym that we put as an inside joke that we no longer find funny. Um, So (laughs) Jeremy's name is in here. Pam's is not. You can find Pam's under PPG. Don't worry. Don't 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 ask. But it was a stupid little acronym back in the day. But uh, if you open this booklet, these are all legitimate names. I mean, some people have like, you know, Grandma, Grandma Carol. But then some people like just put their actual name. And I kind of wish I did that because it would have been cool to have my name in a booklet.
1: Yeah, I think what happened was is that, yeah, you had to you had to nominate somebody. You weren't really allowed to put your own name. And so what happened was, is that a lot of Kelly fans sort of paired off. Oh,
0: was that what it was?
1: Yeah. And so Ah. they said, "Okay, I'll submit your name if you submit my name. And we're like, "Okay, great. The part where, and yes, my name is in the booklet. And yes, like you, I was uh, just scanning it because there's so many names in here. Uh, but I was scanning it and I do every so often, you know, catch a name that I recognize. Um, you know, Rob's name, uh, our fashion correspondent, Rob, is in here. Uh, Jenna, our uh, one of our roundtable uh, participants. I mean, there's so, so many of them in here. And what I felt the most awful about was that the, the woman whose name I submitted for mine didn't make it but yet serious? mine made it in yeah uh it was my friend lisa who uh shout out to lisa for uh for being out there and being an awesome uh travel friend uh she and i agreed to submit each other's names mine made it hers did not and i cannot tell you the guilt that i felt when oh i opened my... up my booklet and her name wasn't in there mm. i just felt so awful um because i mean everybody you know thought it was pretty cool and you know, there were some people, like you said, about 90% of us, you know, kind of did this with the full intention of getting our own names into the booklet. But there were uh, a, a decent amount of people who were genuinely putting, you know, their mom and dad. I mean, somebody put God, Um, you know, there's just a lot of people who, you know, really actually understood the assignment and weren't just <laughs> trying, to sure. be, uh, trying to be trying to be shitty about it and just get their own name into a booklet. But that said. I do credit this as having my own name in the liner notes of the CD. Uh, Oh, you're funny. And and fun fact, Pam, this is actually my third uh, album that I have my name in the liner notes. Uh, The other one is, one of them doesn't really count, but I count it because of sentimental value. A, A buddy of mine back in high school had a local band. And uh, he put my name in his liner notes of the album that they put out. I mean, it was released. I don't even want to say locally, like neighborhoodly. <laughs> it was, it didn't, didn't even make it much past the, the area code, um, but it was in there. And then uh, I was a supporter of TLC on their Kickstarter campaign for their last album that they put out. Uh, and so they put everybody who was a Kickstarter at a certain level, they... Uh, they put your name in the liner notes. That one was a little more shady because they never actually printed the liner notes, they just gave them to you digitally. Oh. So I have, a, I have a PDF of the liner notes from that album, but my name is not like when I bought the album or when I got the album from the record store, it my name isn't anywhere in there, it, nor is any other fan. It's just a plain, you know, liner note. So I was a little bummed about that, but I have the PDF somewhere on my computer, but this one, the, the Kelly one is the only one that's, you know, you know, was commercially available and is, you know, in full view along with what seems like about a thousand other people, but it was a neat and interesting concept for her to do. And I don't think I've seen any other artists do it. I'm sure somebody has, but uh, it was very interesting to see. And it was kind of a cool little thing to add to, uh, to the album. So, Props to to those of you who can say that your name is in the liner notes of not even just an album full stop, but you can say your name is in the liner notes of a Kelly Clarkson album. And Pam, even though yours is your, your, you know, your joke between you and your friend, at least you know when you look at it, and ah, that's me.
0: That's me. Exactly. So thank you for the uh reassurance.
1: Yes. Um now now when I see it, I'll say, ah, there's Pam.
0: There she is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Smokestack Volume 1. Um, it's funny. When we were talking to Jason Halbert, he, he didn't realize that it was in multiple volumes. He uh, was talking yeah. to us. <laughs> he was like – he just I, – I don't remember exactly what he said, but um, we were like, oh, which volume? He was like, there's more than one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought that the whole collection had gotten released together. Yeah. Uh, not as two separate parts.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Volume 1 is uh, – almost entirely original songs there is one cover on here and it's cool she redid a lot of her um her songs from the stronger album or all i ever wanted and there's a cover thrown in there and it's kind of like a reimagined kind of thing and uh, yeah a little bit some of them i like more than the original some of them i don't and we're gonna get into it so jeremy should we uh do you want to start with the first song
1: Let's do it. Uh, just before quick we get into uh, the first tune, you might be thinking to yourself, well, why exactly did they name it the Smokestack Sessions? We'll give you a little brief insight into that. First and foremost, you probably see that the spelling of it is not how you actually smell Smokestack. Uh, the, the studio in Nashville is called The Smokestack, and it's named after this producer named Paul Moke. Uh, M-O-A-K, which is why there's the alternate spelling of Smokestack. It's his personal studio. He's worked with a lot of different artists, uh, a, a handful here and there that you've probably heard of, a lot of smaller artists. But uh, they recorded it in this particular studio in Nashville, and so that's where The name comes from for the two volumes is because of the name of the actual studio. So that's why it's known as the Smokestack Sessions. Uh, Again, these albums were only available uh, via Kelly Clarkson's website. Uh, To my knowledge, they were never available commercially like in stores. So you did have to purchase them alongside with either the Stronger album or the Greatest Hits album. And they really have not been available in print ever since. So they are among the rarest of the available Kelly Clarkson albums Now that said, uh, you can find the songs online But pretty much only YouTube is the only place yeah. I really have found these any songs anywhere online It's not available on Spotify, it's not on Apple Music So you really have to kind of search for some of these songs uh, So if you were uh, an OG, as it were, back in 2011 and 12, uh, There's a decent chance that you might have the actual physical copies Uh, Either way, uh, the very first Smokestack session, again, was released alongside of the album Stronger. I've seen a couple of places where they technically count the release date as about three days after the album Stronger came out on October 21st. They say Smokestack 1 came out on the 24th. We're just going to call it the 21st for the sake of this episode. Um, I got to say, I love both of these albums because it is the only instance where Kelly's touring band is the band behind her. Yeah. Every other album she has, yes, there are pieces and parts here and there, like, you know, Aben or, or Jason. But this is the only time when we get the actual touring band, you know, Jason, Aben, Corey, Miles, uh, who was the drummer at the time, Jill and Kate are on this album for background vocals as well. And it's uh, it's really, I think, one of the reasons why I love these albums so much is because this is where the band is at its most pure And you have the band that we all know and love. And also, you know, these uh, these albums came out, as did the Stronger album, you know, at the end of Kelly's 20s, uh, which, as we all know, based off of the things that happened during the both the breakaway and the My December eras were a tumultuous time for Kelly. So she was sort of excited to turn the page into her 30s, which would ultimately see her uh, her career go in a completely different direction and uh, would be, you know, even more successful. And so this is a nice little sort of bookend between her 20s and 30s for this album. And with Smokestack Volume 1, like Pam said, it's primarily covers of her own stuff. Uh, There is one uh, non-Kelly song on here, but then when we get to Smokestack 2, it's all covers. And uh, we'll definitely talk about that here in just a few. But the first song on Smokestack 1 is from the album Stronger, and it is her version of Hello, Hello. And I got to say, Pam, uh, you know, with the Smokestack album, it is very much broken down. I don't want to say it's acoustic because it's really not, but it's just different interpretations and different breakdowns of these particular songs. I love this version of Hello.
0: I do, too. Um, it's a lot more raw, like her yeah. her vocals. And I think you're going to find that throughout pretty much most of these tracks. Um, and what I love about it is that you really get to just hear her voice. It's a lot clearer. And it doesn't, it's not really overproduced. They, Jason or whoever was doing the vocal production may have, you know, tweaked it a tiny bit here and there as they usually do, but I'm not sure. It sounds directly from like this, the studio, and it's just as real as you can get. Um,
1: I think Jason also mentioned a bit in our interview that he said that when he was producing these smokestack EPs, that he really didn't know what he was doing. You know, he was still just trying it out. He was still sort of learning as he went as a producer. And so he said that one of the reasons why Kelly and fans really like when he produces stuff is because her vocals do sound more true to live, more true to form. She doesn't sound overly produced. I mean, you listen to Smokestack next to Stronger or All I Ever Wanted or really any album. And you can tell, you know, there's extra processing on her voice and she just sounds a little more compressed this sounds a little more full and rich and you feel like you get a, a better representation of how her voice really sounds.
0: Yeah. And uh, which I think in this specific song, the one vocal thing that I really, really noticed was in the original, she says hello, like kind of high up. Like I'm not, huh. gonna, I'm not going to attempt it, but if you know the song, you know what, <laughs> what I'm talking about here. Yeah. She doesn't, she definitely stays a little bit more. I don't want to say Aldo. I don't really know, but like she just doesn't hit the high notes as much, Um, but it still sounds great. And again, it's, it's great because you really can, when you listen to this, you can really envision her in the studio singing this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rare.
1: Yeah. She definitely is doing this in a bit of a different key than the album version on stronger. And I mean, look, I, I love the song on Stronger, and I love this version as well. I mean, that just shows that it's a good song in general. But, yeah, it's nice to hear different interpretations of songs. And so it was cool to hear that, you know, especially when it comes to the chorus, it being in a bit of a different key was, was kind of nice. And, yeah, it's it's a nice start off for the album. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hear this. I mean, I have all of these songs as part of sort of my rotation uh, in my digital library and you know I hear this song and it's it's a no skip for me whenever I hear it uh and yeah I mean there's I mean there's not a lot of the song that's changed other than a bit of the key so it's good I like it
0: All right the next one is the war is over that is also from the stronger album Honestly this is the song out of the whole EP that I find to be truest to the original Do you feel that yeah, way
1: I do yeah this is uh I mean again it's another pure vocal uh, compared to the version that you're going to hear on Stronger. And yes, it is very close to the original, um, but still very, very good. I mean, it's just it's a nice sort of secondary performance of the song.
0: I think what I like about this version compared to Stronger is that here you really hear every single layer. You hear every instrument. You hear every, every you hear her background vocals. You hear Jill's and you hear you hear Kate's like it's very Um, distinct every instrument everything which often in pop music every as you said a lot of stuff is compressed together and um, it's sometimes hard to pick out the different sounds so that's what I'd like I do like about this version otherwise there's not a ton that's different again it's more just a little bit more broken down Um, a little bit not much though there's still the, the 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 full band little bit more broken down, a little bit more stripped. You can definitely, again, imagine yourself watching Kelly perform this in like a studio or like a session place.
1: What I do like is that Jill and Kate's background vocals are a little more prominent. You tend to find in a studio version of a song that any sort of background vocals are blended in really nicely into the background. I mean, They are background vocals for a reason. But with these, you know, again, and Jason also mixed this album as well. And so you can tell that he is not wanting to hide Jill and Kate on this album. And so they are a lot more noticeable. Uh, I noticed that, you know, it's kind of the second and third go round when I was listening to these songs. I like to try to, when I listen to songs, I like to try to pick a different aspect of a song and focus on that as I go through. And, and one of them I did was the background vocals. And I realized how easy it was to. To actually pick those up. So yes, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was that was in my notes as well to, to mention that, you know, he he did a uh, you know, for somebody who said that he didn't know what he was doing and that, you know, he was learning on the job, so to speak, I still think he did a really, really good job. And it kind of makes this whole collection, uh, both volume one and volume two, it, it really makes them what they are, and that is more of a stripped-down, raw performance of all of these songs
0: yeah there is nothing else like this out there from her um yeah as far as I, as far as like anything that was commercially released um should we go to the next one I'm very excited about the next one unless you have anything else to I add am too
1: no I have nothing else let's move on to you love me
0: you love me I okay I love the original I think a lot of us do it's really fun and there's something extra special about this version that's on smoke Deck. it is so it's a it's kind of a complete 180. Mm-hmm. and i love it it i feel it gives a lot more of a urban industrial feel to it yeah if that's the right word to use
1: the word the word i wrote down was grittier
0: gritty like for some reason i get the vibes of like rhythm nation i don't know why <laughs> I, I mean that's like that's like such a stretch i i understand but um i i i don't know industrial is what came to me i yeah. I, I don't know it's just it's very drum heavy and there's a lot of beats to it and uh let me look at my liner notes i'm pretty sure so during the all i ever wanted tour um kelly had a dj out on tour named dj rick dj rick and he actually worked on three songs on this this ep including you love me and it's very obvious that he did it he was i thought i thought it was a really great addition to that that tour and I think he did a fantastic job because this was a song like if, if this was the original version, I think a lot of us would have been kind of confused. Yeah. But it was fully remixed, but it was remixed in a way that wasn't, um, how do I explain this? Not super electronic-y. Yeah. And that's what I like.
1: Yeah. And the, the stronger version, you know, is a little, it's definitely more pop. And this one is if they were to have decided to take the album more rock, because I think for me, this song has the closest vocal to the actual album track. And I, I mean, it's a great performance, obviously. Do uh, you it think is a separate so? Pr- I, see, I thought it was. No,
0: I don't think at all. I thought that the vocals were super, super different.
1: Really? Yeah. I guess, I guess maybe I, maybe I never actually listened close enough to, to hear the nuances between the two different versions. But, um, but yes, I do really, really love this version. Um, I, and I'm glad you mentioned the drum track because I really, really dig the drums on this. I'm like, I'm a drums guy. And so I always hate, especially in pop music, when they bury the drums or they're so like processed and, and down deep in the song that they don't really get to like have that nice big impact. But this song like really has some good drum impact. and You can actually like feel it when it hits each and every time. I love that whenever that happens in a Kelly song, and this is probably one of the best examples of that.
0: Yeah. I also love her vocal um, at some point. It's a little bit throughout, but especially in the bridge, she has kind of a muffled uh, vocal effect and Mm -hmm. muffled, and it's kind of reminiscent of medicine. That part in medicine when her vocal oh, sure. and I thought that was so cool, and I do want to also. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if anyone else has ever caught this, but there is a very slight lyric change in this version. Have you oh, noticed I didn't notice that? Okay, no, it's very, very minor. But for some reason, it always stuck with me. So the original in it's the bridge. Um, your love feels different. It's like a blow to the head with your compliments. Okay, the smokestack line is your love feels different it's like a blow with your backhanded compliments so
1: interesting it's
0: very slight it's you know blow to the head and with uh, with your compliments and then blow with your backhanded compliments again it's not major but i'm just it's just always something i've noticed
1: i wonder why i mean why so soon after putting out the album i mean essentially these came out on top of each other Wonder why the the choice to do a different lyric there? It that's could, interesting. I
0: don't know if it was a matter of her wishing she had done a different lyric, and maybe it was too late in in the RCA process with the original album, or in true Kelly fashion, sometimes she just changes the words, and maybe that's just what she was thinking it was at the time. It, it really could go either way. That's true. Yeah. Um, but this is probably my favorite on the on this verge on this this EP. I mm-hmm. think by far this is my favorite song on here. It's I I get so amped up when I hear this version. It's so different, it's so drastic, and uh very curious what this version would be like live.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to remember if she did she do this on tour?
0: I think she's performed it a few times. I mean Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I seem to I seem to remember it, but uh but yeah, to hear this version in particular would be kind of nice all right so let's move on to uh, our next song the fourth song on the smokestack volume one is the sun will rise and this is my favorite song on volume one i know that i think we've had you know small conversations here and there in the past um when we're we haven't hold on done. can
0: i interrupt you yeah. Can I interrupt you? I'm on YouTube because I was like, you love me. Wait, has Kelly performed this live? And not only she performed it. I f- hell, we are so tired. Not only she performed it on during the Stronger Era, she performed it on the Kelly Clarkson show a few months ago. Duh. I forgot. <laughs> anyway. <Wow>. Anyway. <laughs> now
1: now we need to go back and we need to watch it and see which version of the lyrics she did.
0: Ooh. If she even did that part.
1: Yeah. Well, that's for another time.
0: That's another time. Anyway, okay, going back to The Sun Will Rise. A lot of people have yes. comments on this version.
1: Yeah, so this is my favorite song on this particular EP. And like I was about to say, we, we've we had conversations in the past on the podcast about this song in particular, because on the Stronger album, she does it with as a duet with Cara DiAGuardi. And I know that I have mentioned in the past that I think the Smokestack version is a superior version to the stronger version, because I like it not as a duet. I like it as just a Kelly song. Um, And they definitely took this in more of a country vibe, more of a country feel. And I really like that. And, you know, I'm going to throw out a hot take here that might be a little controversial because after I listened to this song a couple times, I I feel like I've formed an opinion on something. And again, it's going to be controversial. Some people are not going to like it. I'm gonna say that we are never, never getting a Kelly Clarkson country project.
0: Whoa, you think so?
1: I don't think it's ever gonna happen. Really? Yeah. Should we, um, I mean, sh-
0: should we talk about that now?
1: Maybe, yeah, but um <laughs> I just, You just dropped a I, bomb I, on people, so I feel like we gotta I, talk I about did. it. Because the the thing is is that the more I listen to this, I really feel like Kelly's heyday, if you will of possibly doing a country project, that time has come and gone. And I think that this was right about the beginning of it because at the time she was living in Nashville, obviously this was recorded in Nashville, she was immersed in the one place where you could really focus and do a country album. We know for a fact, based off of what Jason has told us, that a country project was more or less recorded, but, I mean, it's been 10 years since those songs were recorded and they have yet to see the light of day. And I just, nobody records an album of country material and shelves it for 10 years. Like you just, that, that doesn't happen now. And that's not to say that, you know, Kelly has to follow every formula that's out there, but I just really think that the time for a Kelly Clarkson country album has come and gone. She, she has missed the window. We got close, we got really close with some of these songs, again, like Sun Will Rise. This this would be, fit in just fine. This version would fit just fine on a country album. She had Tie It Up, definitely a country song. She had the duet with Vince Gill for The Greatest Hits. Again, that was a year later. This is like the beginning right here of the sweet spot of like three or so years where she could have done a country project. And this was probably around the time that they recorded all those songs. But it never came out, and I just don't think it's ever going to see the light of day. And so mark this episode, mark this time. I'm saying it here. I'm putting my my bets are all in. No country project, period.
0: Wow. Um. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I wasn't prepared to uh, discuss that to that point. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I, I definitely don't think it's, I definitely don't think that it's going to be one of the three projects she has coming up this year. Not by any means. Not to say it wouldn't happen down the road, maybe, you know, maybe when Kelly's in her, maybe when Kelly's, you know, done with her L.A. shtick, in, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and she wants to go back to the country and settle down. I don't know, maybe she'll, you know, get that urge again. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but I don't doubt that it'll happen at some point in her career. But we can talk about this some other time.
1: Pam wasn't ready for the debate.
0: Well, it's not that, but we're also getting very off topic.
1: That's true. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, look, The Sun Will Rise is the most country of, uh, of I would say, the songs that are on here, despite the fact that there is an actual country artist that she covers. Uh, as far as, like, her songs, like, this is the most country yeah. of them all. Again, I really, really like this, not as a duet. I also like the version on Stronger with Kara, but I like this version, and I know I've said it before, that this is... Uh, this is about the only version that I like more than the original. Um, I just, I have always had a soft spot for this song. I really like it from front to back and yeah, this is, this one's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I do like this song. It's definitely a lot more of a country vibe. There's some, I don't know if it's violin or something by fiddle. I don't know. I'm not, uh, there's some country thing going on there. Um, yeah. her voice is a little bit deeper than the original. Um, that's probably just the way that it was. Um, arranged for this kind of version um i will admit i feel like this song definitely makes more sense as a solo song like it's just it's it's not really set up as a duet lyrically and just the arrangement it's just not really there but as i mentioned before you know late 2000s early 2010s I was a really big Kara fan. I know it's really random, but, like, she was on Idol, but I really was just a big fan of her, like, songwriting prior. Then she went on Idol, and I was, like, I liked her personality. And then I kind of did a YouTube deep dive, and I was like, she can sing really well. And then, I don't know, when this duet came out, I was so amped because I love them both as vocalists. But I get it. It's not really meant to be a duet. So I do love the original... I think I may be a little biased, but, and I'm also just much more of a pop fan than I am a country fan, but, um, I don't know, this, I but the, the, the duet never really took off. Like, I like it a lot, and I love them both, but something about it, it's like, think of it as, like, Run, 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 Kelly and John Legend, both fantastic vocalists, but something about the duet just didn't work. And I feel like that's kind of similar with The Sun Will Rise. I like The Sun Will Rise a lot better than Run, Run, Run. But um, I don't know. I like this version. I, I I have qualms with both versions. I don't know.
1: I mean, look, there was a reason why The Sun Will Rise was a deep, deep album song. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it was like the last song on the, on the, like, yeah. on the album. So I get it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who have very polarizing feelings about this song. I'm glad that it got a little bit of extra shine on the Smokestack, uh, and I love the fact that they took it to a a, a single performer and not a duet because I, I wanted to know because I didn't – because originally when Stronger and Smokestack came out, I was so busy focusing my efforts on listening to Stronger that I kind of ignored Smokestack a little bit. I mean, like I would – like for every 10 times I listened to Stronger, I would listen to Smokestack once – and it took me a while before I really appreciated the fact that she did this song by herself. And that's why I think I like it more. And I, again, I love the version with Kara. It's fine. I have no problems with it. It's just I like the version with Kelly alone better. And yeah, I will always say that this is a superior version.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, the next song is uh, If I Can't Have You from All I Ever Wanted. Um was a
1: surprise for her to put uh you know an older album song yeah, on this particular collection. That was that was nice to see.
0: Is this controversial for me to say this is by far my least favorite on this? Um I, no, I no, no. don't love this version. I think the original is so damn good and so much fun and so catchy. I, I feel like this wasn't needed, like a broken down version. It's not bad, it's just like I don't know it it just I I don't enjoy listening to it
1: yeah it's it's my least favorite on the on the EP as well and it I mean look and I've said this a hundred times before a bad Kelly Clarkson song for her is a good song for just about anybody else so I think anyone else could have you know uh, taken this as a hit and you know Kelly would just been like "Eh, it's just something that I have Um, yeah this is uh, you know like you said it's broken down it's I mean it's nice but there's nothing super memorable about it. It's kind of just a nice thing to have. Uh, it's cool to hear you know, different interpretations of her songs, regardless of what they are. But when you have a song like If I Can't Have You, which was a high point for me on the All I Ever Wanted album, it was a high point on the All I Ever Wanted tour. It was a lot of fun to see live. Uh, this version kind of comes a little out of nowhere. Uh, again, I, I don't mind having it. But it's not anything that I seek out ever.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, it's nothing I will ever seek out to listen to. I mean, there's definitely some organ, I think, in this, which I actually really do enjoy. But there's like some like subtle electronic elements to it. I I just, I, there is no way I will ever listen to this version over the other one. And it's not bad. It's just the original is so good. So I don't know. This is definitely the sixth on my list out of the six songs.
1: Yeah, I I don't, I don't care for it. I think the reason I don't care for it as much is because of the tempo of it, just because that, that original, and and maybe it's because by this point we had been living with the album version for two years and it's hard to come in and be like, oh yeah, but this is the new direction this song is going. And I'm just like, God, please tell me that's not how it's going to sound in concert. (laughs) We got it. We got to keep the all I ever wanted version for sure.
0: And not that we've heard it since. (sighs) Yeah. One day. One day. Um, Yeah. And, all right, let's go to the last song.
1: Last song on volume one of The Smokestack is the one and only cover that we find on the album. It is a cover of the 1991 tune from Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a solid choice. You hear people cover this and sometimes people go a little um, vocal gymnastics on the song. They just try to make it mm-hmm. like the biggest ballad ever, and which is fine. Kelly didn't do that hers was very sweet it was very nice uh ballad she definitely did a bit more of the country vibe on this I feel um more so than some of the other pop versions that you will hear out there um I think it's nice I don't but not, I don't think it's my favorite cover by her um uh-huh. it's definitely not the worst but it's just it's nice that's all I really have to say
1: yeah, I wrote a lot of the when I was writing my notes about a, about the songs. A lot of them I wrote smooth. Yeah, and this is a very nice smooth. Like I love the the brushes uh, that they use uh, again for the percussion, and it's just a really cool. Like you know, Jason's uh, piano along with it is really really nice. It's just a very it's a pretty version of this song. Um, and you were right. I mean, this song has been covered by a ton of people. Adele has covered it. Boys to Men covered it. Uh, George Michael covered it. I mean, a, a lot of people uh, take their swipe at this song. And, you know, this was on one. of. I mean, it was like Bonnie Rates like 11th album or something. But at the same time, it was one of her most popular because it was the same album that had something to talk about on. And this is the other song that really kind of gives us that country vibe uh, like we had earlier in the EP. And I I like it for that purpose. And at the same time, it is a very nice demonstration of the control that Kelly has over her voice. Uh, again, you know, it's very sweet. It's very smooth. And it's a, it's just a nice listen. Um, you know, it's, it's good dinner music. Dinner you know? music. <laughs> it's, it's like that, that smooth music. that's not too, you know, interrupting. It's not too intrusive. Yeah. It's just there. It's nice and calm. It's a good song to listen to. If you're just trying to vibe out on, uh, on something Kelly.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and I thought it was just a kind of a nice way to end the EP out again. just, nice relaxing way after again many genres on this six song ep um overall i really do like this ep i thought it was really fun and it was something that we were not expecting at all so it was just a cool little surprise and it is really great to have the same artist reimagine their music like i know kelly has recently said that she would re-record some of her older stuff and In doing that, I wonder if she would also change the arrangement entirely, like a lot of these tracks.
1: That's another thing that might be a bit of a hot take for me. Uh, This is going to be the episode where I just drop my hot takes, (laughs) apparently. But um, that again, this is a little bit of a side note because when she she mentioned that during her Instagram live, I really want to just say to her, "Okay, put up or shut up." Like, will you really? (laughs) Let's let you know. Okay, bet. Let's go. Like, do do it. it. Yeah, you know, put out, you know, I mean, she's not there's not going to be a, another smokestack volume three because there's just not. But um, if you want to put out an EP of, you know, re-recording a couple of the songs that were the most like, you know, stress inducing of your career, just to sort of cleanse that palate, Let's see you do it.
0: Let's let's, let's see. What, let's get the rock version of a moment like this out there. Let's do it.
1: Yes, that <laughs> needs to happen. I mean, it, it's probably about 15 years too late. <laughs> But at the same time, I would still love to see it because talk about a highlight of that tour.
0: A highlight of the really crappy videos on YouTube that I've had to live through. It's, fine.
1: it's <laughs> fun. It's um, fun. All right. So that's the end of uh, Smokestack Volume One. Again, there was a, a more than a year span in between Volume One and Volume Two. But again, for the purposes of this episode, we're making it sort of all one compilation. And so, in uh, in the latter part of 2012, November to be exact, we get surprised with Smokestack Volume Two. Which at this point, people are now sort of thinking, "Oh, is this going to be kind of like a you know a series? Is there going to be a whole bunch of these?" And it turns out it was the last one. So, um, so much for that idea, I suppose. Uh, but the Smokestack Two, and, and I don't, I mean, from the sounds of again our conversation with Jason, it sounds like. These were all recorded at the same time, and maybe they just kind of held on to some of these. Uh, Maybe they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to put out a proper. I mean, I don't think you can really put out a full album that has half songs that are reinterpretations of her songs. And then the rest are covers like that's not really an album that you put out. So maybe you just bank a bunch of these songs and put them out like they did as an EP about a year later.
0: Keep in mind when uh, more so for volume one than for volume two. Uh, keep in mind that Spotify didn't really take off until 2011, 2012. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I remember I first downloaded Spotify in 2011. So uh, that's another reason why these were definitely physical. Had this been a project now, I don't know if we would have gotten physical product. We might have, Probably but not. they may have done only digital for this, Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think takes away some of the excitement.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, these are definitely not the only EPs in Kelly's catalog. I mean, they technically consider things like iTunes Sessions as an EP because it's a collection of several songs all done at the same time. And, I mean, that's where Apple Music was sort of well ahead of places like Spotify because they thought to do things like the iTunes Sessions where you bought a package of songs that were recorded specifically for Apple at the time. Uh, And then, you know, the artist and Apple got to make money off of it. So uh, I think you're right. I don't think we would see physical packaging like this anymore. And I think that we like and I sort of said this at the beginning of the show. I think we're done with, you know, EPs unless an artist is specifically only releasing an EP uh, to sort of tide fans over until they can release more material. I think if we had something like the smokestack sessions where it's either covers or reinterpretations of older songs in her catalog, you're not going to see physical product anymore. It's all going to be download only. And, you know, that's unfortunate for those of us like me who love to still collect physical product. But yeah. I guess, you know, those are the times that we live in now.
0: The only other thing I could think of, which now has my hopes up, which I highly doubt's going to happen, would be um, doing stuff for like record store day where you have a certain amount. It's allotted. And I'm like, we need, I'm just thinking, okay, we're now on Atlantic Records. We need the Nashville sessions out for record store day.
1: Oh, man. I mean, you want to talk about something that I want a physical copy of. It's the Nashville set. Oh, my so that gosh! Has, that has to happen. Oh,
0: my gosh. I would I would that I would line up at like 4 a.m. for totally.
1: V- vinyl on record store. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be the one time you'll get me out there in the middle of the night. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. So. Uh, so, yeah, like Pam said earlier, this one, uh, Smokestack Volume 2 came out as a companion piece to the greatest hits packaging. Uh, This came out in November, uh, specifically November 19th of 2012, and it is all covers. Uh, There are no Kelly Clarkson songs on here. These are all just simply covers. There are five songs on The Smokestack Volume 2, and the first song is an Aretha Franklin cover, but it's not the average Aretha Franklin song that you might consider somebody like Kelly Clarkson covering. Uh, She covers her 1967 tune, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. Uh, That's the parentheses uh, in the original version Uh, But this one is just simply listed as I never loved a man. Uh, Wow. I got to say, Pam, the vocals on volume two versus volume one are, I mean, it's like flipping the vinyl over. It's two completely different. I mean, it's, this is why I'm wondering if it was two separate sessions because it sounds completely different than the vibe of the volume one. She has a lot more energy. She's more like into it. It sounds and it starts off really, really good with one of the best vocal performances of a cover that we have, like, in a physical form. And that is this Aretha Franklin tune. Those vocals, man. And, like, the woo that she throws out at the end. Like, you could tell she was feeling herself. Uh, this is a an excellent, excellent cover.
0: I wonder if she was more enthusiastic for these because they were all covers rather than her own thing. I don't know. I'm just could be. making a guess but it's funny because she has covered this a few times but i correct me if i'm wrong this might have been the first time she had done it um she had also brought this out on i think the Honda the Honda Civic Tour I think she brought in 2013 and then she actually i for, I watched this last night and i hadn't seen this since it aired the 2019 there was the Aretha Franklin uh special on TV to to mm-hmm. honor her and Kelly sang it there so i do have some comments but um, love, love, love this, love this cover. I will admit, it's a song that I never seek out. I kind of always forget about it, but whenever I do listen to it, the you know once a year that I remember, it's out there. I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, it just really shows the bluesy side of her. I think the whole EP shows how eclectic her voice yeah can fluctuate. Or I don't know yeah. if that really makes sense. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, um her her voice was a bit higher because I was doing a, a comparison for all of these songs, except for the next one. But for all of these songs, she has she had done these again, um at some point in her career, either prior or after this EP came out. So I was comparing this version with the 2019 version. So that's a seven year six or seven eight year difference, and uh, her voice was a lot higher here. Um, the key was a lot higher. Where I'm getting at is, I like the 2019 version more, which means that just her voice has matured. So I think just the evolution of this cover is so good.
1: This was, uh, I think, this was a re- like one of, if not the first, big uh, release for Aretha Franklin when she's her her sort of uh, her career sort of started to uh, pivot to more like R&B and soul music and. This is just such a good showcase for how Kelly can't, like you said, how she can uh, change up her vocals and how she can do blues. And, you know, it's kind of funny now that I'm sort of thinking about this in real time. Volume one is kind of about the closest thing we have to a Kelly country album. I'll say that. Uh, This is the, this album is about the closest we have to like a Kelly blues album because of just the way that it's produced, the way that it sounds, the way her vocal is and I mean when I heard this when I I clearly remember the first time I listened to this collection because I actually listened to it before I listened to the greatest hits because I was like this is newer for me like I don't I know there's a couple of songs I haven't heard on this greatest hits yet but I got to listen to these covers and I was so blown away right off the bat by this Aretha cover um, and just, I mean, the smile that showed up on my face when you hear her yell "woo" at the end of this—like you could just tell how much she was having fun doing this cover. Uh, it's it is really is one of my favorite covers, and I and I always forget that because you know we think about where we get covers now—we get them on tour and we get them on the Kelly Clarkson show—and you know we we forget that we do have a very small collection of actual recorded studio covers that she's done and this is definitely among the best
0: all right so the next song um i is a song that i didn't really remember that well i think i've listened to this a few times and not for any particular reason just it just never comes to mind but it is her cover of your cheating heart by Hank Williams i think or is it yep. is it junior is there no junior i don't know no
1: it's it, no it's hank williams senior
0: i don't know the difference i'm sorry guys <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know my country music very well, so I'm really sorry for anyone who was offended by that. Anyway, great cover. Um, I just didn't know it very well. Again, I I listened to it. You know, when the when this came out and a couple times after, but that's really it. it's. i never a song I think about, but um, this is by far the most country on here. It definitely showcases her like twang and a little bit mm-hmm. the way that she is like enunciating and singing. I get a big musical theater vibe from
1: a little bit. Yeah, I can see Very that
0: theatrical. Um, just really fun. I love there's like a, there's like, there's the, uh, the horns in there. I just, I don't really have many comments I will I don't know. Jeremy, help me out here. What are your, what are your uh, thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, look, this song is the oldest song that she, I think has uh, covered since probably she did Betty Hutton on idol uh but i mean cuz this is from 1952 and this is like i mean your cheating heart is what some consider to be the quintessential like classic country song i mean this is this is country um this is country this is back when they still called it country western uh that's how like old this song is and i mean it's the original is just so good and i mean Hank Williams senior you know, is obviously you know a legend, probably on a country Mount Rushmore for some. And I loved hearing her interpretation of this song. I, I really did love you know the addition of the fiddle and the horns in it. And again, this is another one of those songs where she you know is feeling herself after the song, and she talks about how she loves the horns at the end. Quote, which, you know, I quote
0: that song's so good. I love the horn. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> she sounded very valley girl at the end of it. She's like,
0: oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> I feel like when I was listening to this, I feel like I needed to be in like a cracker barrel. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell how Northern I am from saying that? (laughs) Very
1: much. (laughs) Take you into a boot barn or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a great cover. I I love this so much. Uh, You know, it's, I love, I like, and you know, I should clarify from my statements earlier. I like when Kelly does country. I think she does it really well because there's really not a, a genre that she doesn't do well. Uh, this is so good. and it's a fun song to hear. I always get a smile whenever this song pops up uh, when I'm listening to to Kelly's tunes. And I yeah, there's not a ton to say about it. it's a it's an absolute country classic and there's been a million covers of it. But, uh, yeah, this is a really, really good version. and I'm so glad that it's on this collection because uh, it's nice to have a nice, clean studio version of this because it would al- almost have been a disappointment if we only had like a bootleg. Uh, tour version of this to listen to because i love listening to it over and over
0: yeah i'm definitely gonna seek it out more so sorry i've been neglecting this song for mm, almost a decade but you know what it's fine (laughs) better late than never um so there are three more songs on this ep and they actually were all covers that she had done on the all i ever wanted tour and i feel we Mm -hmm. we have spoken about this jeremy that we feel generally speaking that that tour had the most solid covers. Do you, I think yeah. I would like generally speaking. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, cause when, um, that was sort of the last tour where she did sort of the same covers each and every night. Now, you know, the cover is sort of one of the big components of the show where it's a surprise and, you know, it's something that people look forward to. You know, she was just doing, you know, songs that she really liked. And she, I mean, she did a lot of covers uh, during the All I Ever Wanted tour. Um, and she would switch it up every so often. But, I mean, there were some really, really good tunes. I mean, uh, you know, we've got, like, we're, we're going to, you know, the next three songs that we have. Plus, she had the Rod Stewart cover that she did that I really, really love, which I would have loved to have heard a studio version of uh, Some Girls Have All the Luck uh, on the Smokestack. That's sort of maybe if I were to say that there was one song missing, I would say, you know what? You might as well just make it a full sweep of your best covers from that tour. Or
0: Seven Nation Army.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would yeah, that would that, that would have been, been
0: cool. That would have
1: been cool. That would have been nice too. Yeah. Or
0: like the Promise. That was more of a I think over like an overseas cover that she did when in Rome. That was a good one.
1: Yeah, but also very good.
0: Very good. Um, all right. So the first one we're going to talk about is her cover of "Walking After Midnight" by uh, Pat, Patsy Klein, Right. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I I got that right. Correct. Um, This was one of my favorite covers from that tour, and this was one of the, I don't know, I I wouldn't say the first, but like, one of the mm, first-ish country things that she really brought in. Um, She had done some country stuff in the past, obviously, but this was a consistent country song that she had on tour every night, country blues, and um, it's so sultry, which I just, I love this cover.
1: And that's I kind of wrote the same thing down I just put so sexy so smooth
0: yeah and um this was definitely more of a stripped down kind of like a singer songwriter vibe um mm-hmm. than it was on tour I feel like tour was a little bit more involved instrumentally and uh, yeah
1: yeah definitely this one is a lot more broken down
0: yeah the last minute and a half that was more like the tour um with the vocals and the horn section um yep it's just. It's one of her best vocals, I think. I really do think that. It's one of the best vocals on this EP and I think one of her best covers. I don't really talk about it too often, but the more I think about it, I just think vocally it's one of her best and one of her strongest.
1: One of the things I like about it a lot is how breathy it is. I mean, you go back and listen to it, you can hear her breathing in this song Um, And it's, you know, a really, really solid cover. Again, this is another one of those really classic country songs. It's from 1957 and it is a really, really good version. And I think one of the reasons why I was excited to see this on this album is because this was another one of those uh, standout covers from the tour. Uh, I, I just I love Patsy Cline, too. So the fact that, you know, I have a studio version of Kelly doing a Patsy Cline song is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. I love how she did this on the Kelly Clarkson show. And it's just kind of a cover that is always going to stick with her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a just a killer version of it. Again, like also flawless vocal, just a flawless vocal on this. God, it's so, it's just so like, it's another one of those vibe out like Kelly songs where you just want to turn off the lights, close your eyes and just listen as loud as you can in headphones and just, oh, so good. So
0: good. All right. The next one was another Fan favorite on the All I Ever Wanted tour, and it was a mashup. Um, it was a mashup of That I Would Be Good by Aladdis Morissette and Use Somebody by Kings of Leon.
1: This was probably the most like unexpected mashup I think I've ever heard. Was not expecting it whatsoever. And of course at the time. On the tour, when she did this on "All I Ever Wanted," the the Kings of Leon tune was only a couple of years old, so it was still barely at that point where, barely, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it was still at that point where people really still loved the song, and you know, everybody knew the words because that song was absolutely everywhere. But the Atlanta song was, and I can't remember, and I I'm not going to take the time to look it up, but I can't remember if that I would be good was an actual single from supposed former infatuation junkie, but. um but if not, it was just like an album tracks, and it's just like this random Atlanta song, you know. And by this point, you know there were a lot of Atlanta songs she could have chosen. But the fact that she chose this one, and then found a way, and I can, and I, you know, the more I listen to it, especially the Smokestack version, the more I listen to it, the more I think, oh yeah, that totally makes sense when she gets to the crescendo of that. I would be good. That it would just make sense to like. Wouldn't it be funny if we just threw you know Kings of Leon in here? Wouldn't that sound funny? Like it just it makes sense when you listen to it. You think, oh, well, of course these two songs go together. But the fact that they had the wherewithal to put them together was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say I like the tour version more. And I do love this version a lot, but I felt like it was almost a little too produced, this version. And not as epic as it was live. Um, but I do love how, especially in like the last, I don't know, minute, 45 seconds to a minute of the song, her vocals are very gritty, like how they were on, yes. that they were on on tour. That's what I, that's what I love about the tour version is just it's so raw and just so and, and gritty is the word and epic sounding on tour. And maybe that's just because it's great to see live. I I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know. I didn't get that full effect from the studio version. If this was the only version we had, I would have liked it a lot. But I don't know, man. Something about it live just.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I actually wrote the same thing in my notes. I said, when she gets to use somebody, she gets gritty and it sounds so good. Um, And the funny thing was, is I think that one of the reasons why it was so great on tour is because the moment when she transitions the song from the Atlantis to the Kings of Leon, it was so unexpected that it just blew everyone's mind. Everyone's just like, oh my God, that fit perfectly. And everyone just kind of loses it when they when they hear that transition. Of course, then they're like vibing on the on the Kings of Leon song. So there was something about experiencing it live, and especially experiencing it live the first time you've seen it. Uh, that's I think part of the reason why that song was so popular on tour, and people dug it when she did it. And I'm glad that we have a studio version of it because I mean it really is a, a clever uh, mashup from it. And uh, yeah, this is this is a really great mashup of two awesome songs.
0: I would love for her to do more of this kind of stuff. We haven't had a ton of really at all any mashups since that I can think of. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but would love for her to experiment with more of this in the, in the future. I dig, I dig it. I really do.
1: All right. Our last, uh, last song on the smokestack volume two is Kelly's cover of the black keys lies. And uh, Pam and I were talking before we started the podcast. And I don't know if you've ever seen on uh, on TikTok or maybe you've seen in your travels on uh the internet uh, there is something called the Mandela effect. Oh. <laughs> and what the Mandela effect is is that you swear that you remember something happening in the past. You you swear that you know the Monopoly guy had a monocle and then you go back and you're like, "Oh, I don't know why I thought that, but in no point in time did he ever have a monocle or, you know, You swore that, you know, and I can't remember all the different things, but there's a lot of them out there. You can search for Mandela Effect on TikTok, and there's all these videos. But for me, there was a Mandela Effect in that I could have sworn that Lies was a huge song, a big hit for the Black Keys. And it turns out that not only was it not a hit, it wasn't even a single on Attack and Release.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't single at all. So it's funny. Um, this, I remember, you know, Kelly raving about this, this, this band and this song. And I really liked this cover on tour. So 2009, I had never heard of the Black Keys, went to go listen to their music, and I, I liked them. And they put out some music over time, over, I think, 20 2010, 11 was when Brothers came out. I don't know, 2010, I think. I don't know, yeah. around there, maybe, whatever. I like them. 2011, they came out with El Camino, My Life Changed, one of my favorite albums. Oh, yeah. So good. Excellent record. And they, from there, I did even more of a deep dive on their stuff, and they're one of my top three favorite bands, but not where I'm getting at. It's funny, though, because Lies is by far not one of my favorite songs by them. It's good, but it's like, it's okay, but it's just mm-hmm. so not a song that I would have had her cover. But when she did it live, it, it was like, oh, this works really well. and it was so great to see in, in concert. And um, if you haven't seen it or kind of want to revisit the live version, I highly recommend. There's a performance I actually watched last night from that Kelly did in Munich, Germany. It is her best performance of that live. It's insane. Um, and I like the studio version. I think the one thing I don't like about it is that it doesn't start acapella like it does live. And I'm a sucker for like uh, someone just singing without any vocals. I like, that's why I think I love, Oh, Holy Night so much. I just love. You
1: like people singing without vocals?
0: Sorry. Did I say without vocals?
1: (laughs) Without instrumentation? (laughs) Without instrumentation. Should
0: I redo that? (laughs)
1: I was like, you mean sign language? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs)
0: Uh, You know what? We're going to, I like that too. We're 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 going to keep this in. You guys can use a laugh. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Without instrumentation. Um, yeah. So I, I like the studio version a lot. Um, it's definitely way more produced than the arrangement was on tour. Um, love the guitar solo and the bridge. And Mm -hmm. it's just a really sexy song, even though like, like, Lyrically it's not, but just the way the the vibe it gives off. It's kind of sexy.
1: Yeah, I really, really love this cover a lot. Um, you know, shout out to uh to Aben and Corey um on, on this song. I mean, so very good. Uh great job by Jason producing this one as well. I mean, it just sounds so good. It's so bluesy and again, I keep thinking of the word smooth to use for this particular EP, but it is. I mean, it's just it's such a, an easy listen front to back to this particular EP. And this is a really, really great uh, way to end the EP. And this is sort of the song that, I mean, I knew who the black keys were at the time. And I, had, I mean, I think I even owned the, uh, the El Camino album at the time, but this song made me go back and really do more of a deeper dive on the band. Like you said, um, when you first were starting to get into them um, and, you know, I, love 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 this cover and I like I said I could have sworn that this was like a big hit song but apparently I just seen it on tour enough and that I then I heard it on this I thought oh she's just covering that hit song by the Black Keys apparently she was playing it more almost than they were Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've never I've seen them a few times and I've never seen them perform this live so Yeah. Um I uh would love to see her do this on the Kelly Clarkson show. For yeah. sure.
1: Of course if she did then like some some of these like second and third tier gossip magazines would pick up on it and be like Kelly Clarkson covers Black Keys classic amid divorce from. Brandon, <laughs>
0: <Sock."> <laughs> And they were like, OK, you don't need all those details. Also, she covered this like for like 50 nights on tour or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in 13 years ago. Um, oh, my God. Got to get those clicks,
1: though. Got to get, get those clicks.
0: That, that clickbait. But yeah, fantastic, fantastic song, fantastic cover. Very happy she included that on here. Um, and you're right; it was a great way to wrap up the the EP. All
1: right, so Pam, uh, we're we're now through both uh, Smokestack Volume One and Two. I think we sort of made it clear throughout the episode. Do you have a favorites of the two EPs?
0: Ooh, um, I'm looking at my notes right now, which is my favorite. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I, ooh, I feel like I gotta go with volume one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm actually a little surprised by I that. I
0: am too. I don't know if, I don't know if that's really my answer or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know. I don't know. Can I think about this?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, you know, it's funny. Like I, if I say a favorite, it doesn't mean that I don't want the other one or I don't want it to be around because I love both of these Uh, But I do have to say that I really do love the covers uh, in volume two. Uh, Now that
0: I'm looking back, I think it's volume two.
1: I think I have a soft place in my heart because my name is in the liner notes of volume one. And I think that that's what sort of brings that one uh, above and beyond for me so often. But I mean, when you're talking about the songs included, uh, yeah, those are all good songs. and, And we'll definitely talk more about those particular songs from volume one when we do our stronger uh, album breakdown in the, in the months ahead. But, um, I I gotta say that, you know, she, there's just a different feeling on the second smokestack album that I just, I really, really like it. I just, if I'm ever like wanting to just go and chill and like hang out, I want to put that one on over putting on the first volume. So I think that I would probably pick volume two over volume
0: one. And I think what's great about volume two at least for the last three tracks, is that it also is very reminiscent of tour and it kind of takes you back into a time. Even if you didn't go to that tour, you can still find all those clips on YouTube and it's just, it's like an experience. It's a new way Mm -hmm. to live the tour experience and I think that's really great. Um, guys, let us know what you think. What are your thoughts on Smokestack? Did you not know it existed? Because that's okay if you didn't. If you didn't, we are here to educate you and to spread the gospel of Clarkson.
1: So <laughs> yes. yes, And if you don't have the the collection in your uh, in your digital library, I can't recommend you seek it out more because uh these are songs that are you know part of her history, and it's you know it, they, they're so so good. And I wish that she. Would have been able to do more with these, but, you know, it's just, it's a different time now. You know, it's a different way that we get our music. So, um, and plus, you know, with the talk show doing a cover every two covers every day when she's got a two show day, uh, you know, these are a little less likely to happen anymore. But I'm really, really glad that we do have them because it's nice to have great studio covers that she's done. You know, she's sort of turned into the cover queen uh, and it's nice to have some that, you know, we can physically hold in our hands. And I'm just really glad. I think that Jason did, you know, he he's too hard on himself. I think he did a fantastic job because I think that the kind of production that he did for these uh, these albums is what they needed. They needed somebody who wasn't going to overproduce them because these are really about Kelly's vocal and if there's anyone who knows her voice and knows her vocals better, it's Jason Halbert. And so I think he did a, a wonderful job on these and I have no complaints whatsoever about his produ- producing ability on these two EPs.
0: You said it. Um, yeah. And again, as we had mentioned, if you haven't heard these before or you want to revisit them, but don't have the files, I'm pretty sure they're all on YouTube. So, and at this point, I don't think they're going to be taken down anytime soon if they've been up for a decade. So definitely. Oh yeah.
1: some I think some of them are even on Kelly's official channel too. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah.
0: I think the Kings of Leon Alanis one is up on Kelly's channel. So definitely recommend you check them out and let us know what your uh, favorites are from volumes one and volume two. And we would love to hear it. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss into podcast. And as always, if you listen to us on Apple, please, uh, if you have a minute to spare, leave us a rating and a review. We would very much appreciate that. And if you listen to us on Spotify specifically on your phone, you can also leave us a rating there as well.
1: And we've also uh, decided to start something a little bit new. We now officially have a website. Uh, it's miss into com, And uh, we, we've sort of soft launched this uh, right now. It just simply takes you uh, as we record this, uh, it takes you to our link tree, but uh, got some plans in the works for a a full-blown website and uh, some other fun things that I know some people who have been uh, listening to the podcast uh, have been asking for. So we're going to be, we finally have sort of a a digital space to take care of a lot of that stuff. So we're excited to, to officially have the website now. Um, Nobody was really asking for the website, but we, we were just finding that, you know, more and more times we needed that in order to accomplish some of the goals that we have for the future of the podcast. So miss into podcast.com. Keep an eye on that. We're going to eventually flesh it out to a full blown website, but for right now it just gives you all the different ways that you can interact with
0: us. Yeah. And uh, next week we have a very exciting episode. Um, We are going to have our, um fashion correspondent slash sometimes third host Rob will be joining us and you may have seen something on our socials in the last couple of weeks where uh Rob was looking for some um input he is doing a trivia it's basically gonna be Pam versus Jeremy to see who knows what more who knows more about about Kelly and I'm like oh god
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm, nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous I don't
0: know how to prep <laughs> I have no idea how to prep um but I'm
1: just gonna go back and I'm gonna I'm gonna re-listen to all the albums all the way through. I'm gonna look through every news article I've saved, every magazine <laughs> I've saved, reread all those articles. Oh my God. I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can track down Rob's PowerPoints because <laughs> I'm sure that's gonna come up. The PowerPoint.
0: <laughs> um yeah I know like on like our, our Twitter we had posted something about and on Facebook we had posted something about he needed uh people to like submit questions and or not needed. He was like, hey if you have any questions or some trivia or topic ideas to submit them By the time this comes out, I don't know if that's going to be a thing anymore. But um, anyway, look out for our trivia trivia episode next week.
1: Very excited for that. In the meantime, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you on the next one.
0: Bye. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to MissIndiePodcast at gmail.com.